Ray Thomas, Michael Maxworthy and Mitch Cohen from RaceNet um, and looking forward to today's show. As I say, good morning to Ray though. Um, it's a bit of a, a, an odd morning this morning. Usually we come in, we're excited about the news that's happening in racing but obviously with what happened yesterday at uh, Grafton with Leah Kilner, we're all a bit flat this morning and we're hoping um, that she does uh, pull through. Good morning, Ray. Yeah, good morning, Dave, and good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it, it's sobering, isn't it? Um, as the the incident and the news unfolded yesterday afternoon, it doesn't matter how long you've been involved in this sport, you're never immune to it, and uh, it sort of left a hollow feeling in the stomach. And I know it's a cliche, but our our thoughts and prayers are with Leah and the and the Kilner family. And um, look, best just hope that she pulls through. And as I said, it's um it's a sobering morning, Dave. We are hearing um, little bits of, of news pop through and obviously a, a statement was put out by Rob Heathcote. Have you heard anything more this morning? Is there anything to add or is it pretty much what we what we know as a racing community? Yeah, that unfortunately, um, Leah still remains in a critical condition, but she's in the best of medical care and uh, let's hope she pulls through. It was really um, uh, obviously very distressing yesterday afternoon as news unfolded, but I got in contact with Michael Beatty, the CEO at Grafton, and I think what Michael said epitomises how popular and widely respected Leah and her family are in the racing industry. Um, as the incident unfolded, and unfortunately Leah couldn't be moved for just over an hour um, until she was airlifted to Brisbane Hospital, Dave, Michael said he went into the jockey's room and he could see the mindset of each and every rider in that room um, their thoughts obviously were with Leah and he could tell that these jockeys did not want to continue to ride. They probably would have if they were ordered to do so, but he could look in their eyes and their mind. he could tell their mindset was not continuing that meeting. So Michael Beattie walked into the stewards' room and after consultation with the stewards, the decision was made out of a remark of respect to Leah and her family to, to cancel the, the final six races at Grafton yesterday. So I think that's indicative of just um, how popular and widely respected Leah and her family are. Right, very well said. I'm going to say good morning to Michael Maxworthy now. Of course, Maxie, we're going to talk about uh, that Caloundra meeting, and uh, we've had you a part of the winter edition of Punters Postmortem for the last couple of weeks. But Maxie, you would know Leah better than anyone on this panel. I've seen you do many an interview with her, and you must be um, in a state of shock, really, this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, fellas. Yeah, I, I was watching that race yesterday, and um, yeah, as uh, the news sort of came through, we're all deeply concerned. But one thing about Leah is that she's a real fighter. She's got this uh, this wonderful bubbly personality. You can't help but like her. And I remember when she had a nasty fall. It was in a barrier trial at Durban around about four months ago. And uh, she had a booking for a horse the following Saturday week, about 10 days later. And she was desperate to ride that day. She was saying to Rob Heathcote, Following that fall um, at Doombin in the trial, that I'm going to the doctor, uh, but I'm positive that I'm going to be able to get a pass mark to ride that horse. Well, the doctor refused to give it to her because she actually had two or three broken ribs. I've never had a broken rib, but they tell me it's so painful, yet she wanted to ride. She's tough, uh, and our thoughts are certainly uh, with her family and Leah, um, hoping that she can, uh, she can recover fairly quickly. I'm going to say good morning to Mitch Cohen from RaceNet. Uh, Mitch, uh, good morning, mate. We had some great racing over the weekend, but just touching on, obviously, what the gentlemen were talking about. I think Ray hit the nail on the head, too. I mean, the what 
that uh, these young men and women and, and old men and, and older women put themselves through every day for our enjoyment to have a bet and watch. Um, it's uh, it, it's a, a, a reminder, isn't it, uh, about how dangerous our sport can be? Yeah, of course, Dave. And, and first of all, yes, I echo the, the, the thoughts of the boys, the thoughts with with Leah's family and friends and, and everyone that knows her. Um, yeah, it's obviously a very difficult time. And, and as you said, it's a, these sort of circumstances, um, the nature of, of the incident was really, it could happen at any time at any racetrack, anywhere. It could happen to any jockey. Um, it's just a very innocuous um, incident that I guess you really don't want to happen. Um, it's I guess one of the risks involved in in our game and our racing industry. Um, so uh, look, it's, it's it's just bad luck, unfortunately, for for all involved. And and we fingers crossed it's the best result. Let's talk about um, the brief couple of races in Sydney uh, when it comes to uh, the weekend. And I want to touch on, I know, look, he's a mate of mine, I'm biased, but the story of Andrew Adkins uh, getting back in town, obviously uh, a gentleman who's had his fair share of uh, race riding incidents. And Ray, he rode Riva del Sol, but uh, his beautiful partner, Abby, also uh, strapped the horse. And it was great to see Con Caracazanas get a winner in town too at Big Odds. Yeah, uh, great for both men, and I spoke to both after the race, and Con's always an um, upbeat guy, and uh, he's a very good horseman, so it's good to see him um, with a Sydney Saturday winner. And as for Andrew, look, he, his story's been well documented and the number of setbacks he's had. Um, you know him well, Dave. Um, one thing I've always found with Andrew is he remains positive in terms of he's not looking back on what's happened and dwelling on number of injuries and falls and setbacks he's sustained in his career he's working for today and tomorrow and I asked him after that win on Riva del Sol just what he's doing at the moment in terms of track work and he's going out to Rose Hill he's going to Randwick um, he's going to Warwick Farm on different days he's working harder than he ever has even though he's now in the senior ranks riding at least five days a week track work and that hard work will start to pay dividends, and I think we saw that on Saturday with that win of Reba Del Sol. And uh, let's hope he can have a sustained run without any setbacks, because he's a talented young jockey. And uh, it was just good to see him back in the in the winners' circle on a Saturday in a Sydney meeting. Yeah, it was just a shame, wasn't it, Mitch, that we had that rain? It was a good meeting that was lined up for Rose Hill, but. With what's happening above us uh, here in New South Wales, uh, it, it is extraordinary that we we got those uh, those what five races done and dusted. Yeah, well, after, sorry, Mitch, you go, Mitch. No, no, it just seemed one of those days, didn't it, Ray? Where it was just mm-hmm. a matter of time before before, unfortunately, we were going. We were in the hands of the the weather gods all day. But um, mm-hmm. as you said, it was lucky to get through five races. Uh, after race three, I think there was. A bit of concern there. there. A few jockeys were, were were struggling to see a bit out there, but we, we got a bit of clearing for race four, and it looked there was a sense of optimism for a second there, but uh, it didn't last long, did it, Ray? <laughs> now, well, actually, some of the jockeys did go into the stewards after race three, and they had concerns then about primarily visibility, Mitch, but then after race five, um, a lot of the jockeys went into the stewards' room again, and not only was it raining heavily again, the visibility was a factor, but from the 700 metres to the home turn. The rail was out eight metres, should point out, last Saturday, but from the 700 to the home turn, the jockeys felt that there was a section of the track there that was unsafe. The stewards went and inspected and agreed, and, well, that was all she wrote, wasn't it, boys? Because at the end of the day, safety of horse and jockey is paramount, and stewards really had no other alternative but to abandon the last five metres, given that it was pouring rain and it wasn't going to stop.
It certainly wasn't. We did have, of course, uh, a really good meeting there at Caloundra and plenty of New South Wales flavour as well. And, Maxie, I'll come to you here. We'll start with the Cup. Uh, it was a good performance um, by... Um, it was firstly a lovely ride by Nash. You wanted to be on La Don de V a long way out, didn't you? Yes. Uh, the track there did deteriorate. We started out on an eight and it quickly went down to a nine for race two. But midway through uh, the afternoon... <laughs> Uh, the track was clearly bottomless. It's, it was just a, a winter's track that's sort of waterlogged and hasn't had time to recover um, with the weather, the cold weather that we've got at this time of the year. And Ladon de V, he went back in the field. He was, uh, you know, tried to sneak him back to get a little bit of cover going past the winning post the first time. And he gave them a big start, but Nash started to make his move forward at about the 1,200. He was sneaking forward, but as he was doing so, horses were kicking up underneath him and I reckon he must have been about eight wide going around the top bend of about the 800, but it didn't matter. La Donde V was relishing the, the heavy 10 conditions and he was picking up uh, so much so that he had the race won as far out as the top of the straight, carrying 58 and a half kilos. He did bring pretty strong form lines to the Caloundra Cup and that certainly shone through, Dave. Yeah, it's certainly. Uh, we're going to see a lot of these horses, or I'd say a number of them now go to... Grafton, possibly on their way home. We may see uh, Bjorn ta- Baker take um, Arapahoe. Gee, Matt Smith, uh, Ray, his stable's mm-hmm. ticking over nicely. He's got some nice imports coming through, doesn't he? He's had a remarkable record in ported stays, and he has done for a number of years now. And Papalino was good, wasn't he, in the Caleandra Cup? He's working up to a win. He may very well end up at Grafton. Uh, Rapahoe, as you mentioned, could go there too. And even Ella Kahan, who's Hasn't been far away in recent starts. They ran second, third and fourth. They were well beaten by Ladon de V, but uh, I think that trio could very well measure up at Grafton. All right, uh, that's uh, a look at the... Any unlucky runs in that Caloundra Cup, Maxie? No, they they came in like um, Brown's cows. Mm. Um, yeah. oh, they, uh, he just had a lap on the opposition, but as, as Ray says at the handicaps, I guess if they, they'll probably enter for Grafton and... The handicapper will, I guess, decide whether the Don de V runs. But a couple of those mm. others that Ray mentioned, you know, they're going to be really tough when they line up or if they line up in the, the Grafton Cup, which is coming up on Thursday week. Really a nice race. Uh, the Wing Skinnies, of course, named in her honour. It started that uh, incredible streak, didn't it? Uh, this particular Sunshine Coast Skinnies, now Wink Skinnies. Uh, and this majestic colour, Maxie. Now, the Wanless... Um, Family, they pour a lot into racing. We see them obviously uh, having a number of horses uh, with Chris Lee's. This majestic colour. This is a really nice horse, and what I love is he he can do it on the dry and he can do it on the wet. Yeah, but in particular on the wet, um, he just went over the ground like it was a firm track. He just uh, skated over over it brilliantly, and I don't know whether the sectional times. I should have checked, but the sectional times four hundred. And uh, the last 200 were quite incredible that they returned mm. there on the semaphore board for this this horse. Um, and he's got a rather unusual sort of action about him, one that's pretty conducive to seemingly, you know, horses running well on very heavy tracks. So he's now had two goes on heavy 10s, and he's won them both very comfortably. But, yeah, he's by So You Think, you know, carrying the famous Wanless family colours written beautifully by Jimmy Orman, who has really taken the next step. All of the trainers want Jay Orman now, and he's staring down the barrel of winning his first senior premiership this year, and it was a perfect display on Majestic Cutter. Uh, Jimmy had him up on the speed where he wanted to be, and when he let him go, he dashed quickly. Battleton was the disappointment. 
he had the great form going into it, but no heavy form whatsoever. And Ray, it appeared that he um, he really struggled on that ground. Yeah, he was a query at the mile. I know he ran second in the Gun Cindy's previous start, but the mile was always going to be the query for battle time. And in that heavy 10, I guess that did expose those stamina limitations. Maxie, just on Majestic Cully, you mentioned his action. It's interesting to watch, isn't he? He sort of lowers the shoulders and the neck when he extends. And, uh, gee, he's got a good turn of thought. Four starts, four wins this prep. And do you know what the plans are going forward for Majestic Cully into the new season? Not sure. I'll check that out with Kelly Sweeter during the week. Golden Eagle horse, wouldn't he? Ideal Golden Eagle. Well, well, yes. If it happened yeah. to be yeah, happened to be wet, he'd come right into it. Yeah. He'd need to pick it up a little bit, sort of uh, class wise. But as you say, you, you know, uh, wet tracks are a great lever, and it could be wet. Yeah, and it's a gelding, so I don't think they necessarily have to target Group One races. So that's that a ten million dollar race, obviously for four year olds only, and. As you said, Max, you don't know what the limit is yet with Majestic Calories. Improved every prep. I dare say that Wink Skinny was the most dynamic and, and easiest win of a four so far this preparation. Yes, and obviously uh, he, he's kept on improving all of the time. Mm. So, you know, what is the ceiling? So, yeah, I dare say that Kelly would be throwing a nomination in for the Golden Eagle in October and... Uh, our other feature race, the Tad Glasshouse Handicap, for those that were going through, you know, heavy track form, they possibly would have come across the eventual winner, number 19, Legay Soleil, trained by John O'Shea, written by Larry Cassidy. She was an emergency accepted, but luckily got into the field. Mm. And the putters were on her, Dave. She, um, I think in the last half hour, her fluctuations were $12 into $7. Early in her career, she'd won impressively, on heavy tracks, in particular at Kembla one day on a bottomless heavy 10. And uh, she made a strong run down the outside there on Saturday with the runner-up, Xenifer. Uh, I think the lead changed once or twice over the final 200 metres, but it was Cassidy's strength that got the John O'Shea mare over the line there, Le Gay Soleil. Yeah, um, they, they were onto it. I was looking at those prices and it did just continue to firm. Um, and well, she's done that before, hasn't she, Mitch? Legay Soleil. Uh, she seems to, she'll find that outside and just rip rip and roar down the outside. Yeah, but I didn't think she was too bad in the uh, the Fear Chief her, her start previous either. So uh, obviously, yeah, she. it's not always um, just the wet tracks. So that was a good track in the Spear Chief. I thought she was probably just got a bit too far back on that occasion, but it got home pretty well. But, uh, geez, yeah, she showed a great turn of foot on Saturday. And I think, i tell you what, I'd love to own uh, the second horse, the centre. Geez, she's flying this mare. I think if you look at her record now, it's 19, 19 starts, five wins, eight placings. Uh, gee, she really runs a bad race for Gary Duncan. Um, I'd love to have her in my stable personally. Yeah, Mitchie, just on the gay Soleil, um, I guess her greatest asset is often her, her biggest weakness, isn't it? And that's her racing pattern. She gets a long way back, so she needs tempo. Um, she handles all track conditions, as Mitch pointed out. And talking to John O'Shea yesterday, she also needs certain tracks like Randwick or the Sunshine Case, that long straight, so she can unwind. But she's a rising six-year-old mare now, but that was only her 18th start, boy. So talking Mm. to John yesterday, there's no plans to retire her, and indeed he's already plotting a path towards the invitation in spring. And uh, again, doesn't matter what track conditions are for her, provided she gets a race tempo to suit and big long straights and a big open track like Randwick. It really suits the gay Soleil and a deserved stakes win. And good to see Larry Cassidy 
seen out of feature race winner. Yeah, very much so. And also, too, just on Kelly Schweder, if it was on the cards that a horse like a, um, a Majestic Keller could come possibly down and campaign towards a Golden Eagle. I'm trying to think back to when Kelly was down here with a, a good horse. It'd be a good pub trivia question. Would it be, mm. would it be like Miss Covergirl? Maxie, remember he had Miss Covergirl. Was that a two-year-old that he had? Or um, yeah. I'm trying to he think had, back. He's had a number of um, good horses. Uh, but he that he often sends to Sydney, and better than Reddy was one of them. He's one of our gun yeah. size at the moment. Yeah. I, I don't know whether he still holds the record at Randwick um, over the sprint trip, uh, Ray, but he held it for quite some time. Yeah, he won a, a stakes race, didn't he, during the spring? Uh, the record has been broken, but he was a talented horse and going to stud. And talking of talent, Kelly Sweeter, gee, he's been a, a, an outstanding trainer for many years in southeast Queensland. And, and again, he's got a, another really good horse here in Majestic Colour. He certainly does. We're going to take a break on Punters Postmortem. Ray Thomas, Michael Maxworthy and Mitch Cohen joining us this morning. If you've got a question on the, the Sydney-Brisbane racing, give us a call, 13 53 53. We'll be back shortly. The Putters Panel. I think Taksu can win here. Uh, nine starts on good tracks for five placings. Significant riding engagement, in my opinion, here. Glenn Schofield. Taksu is a leader. I think he's purposely gone to Glenn here to control the speed of the race in front, and I think Taksu can get home. Taksu needing the post. Oscar's early late. Taksu won it. Taksu just. The Putters Panel. Friday morning, Racing HQ. Always thought owning a racehorse was too expensive? It doesn't have to be. Patriot Bloodstock offers racehorse shares for Sydneycation at an affordable entry-level price point with fixed-price training fees. Our horses are country trained, and whether your horse wins at Wagga or Ramwick, the thrill is the same. We've had great success sourcing quality horses that won't send you broke, and we love first-time owners. Check out what's available at www.patriotbloodstock.com.au. Patriot Bloodstock, an authorised representative of Stable Connect. AF licence number 33696. Foreign-owned bookies like Sportsbet and Ladbrokes are taxed less than other Australian gambling products. Support our call for fair play. Visit fairplaycoalition.com.au for more details. Authorised by Aussie Fair Play Coalition Proprietary Limited, Melbourne. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. Yeah, good morning, and you're on Sky Sports Radio, wherever you are listening across New South Wales via a radio network, or if you're listening via the app across the country, just seeing some more news filtering through in relation to these floods in Sydney. Um, if you are out in the western part of uh, the Sydney area, please stay safe. Um, extraordinary to see that Windsor Bridge underwater again, and uh, the devastation that's unfolding, and uh, also too up in that Hunter region, which I know got smashed last night when that low-pressure system moved over Nelson Bay. Uh, please stay safe. It looks like another wild day of weather. It's extraordinary, isn't it, that um, uh, it's all happening again, like Groundhog Day. Um, this morning's panel, Ray Thomas, Michael Maxworthy and Mitch Cohen. We're taking your calls on 13.53.53. We're going to talk a little bit later on in the program about highlights of the season, but looking ahead to the season upcoming. Of course, the Spring Carnival will be here before we know it, especially here in Sydney. We've got the the Everest and some movement possibly happening there to be announced very soon, Ray. Yeah, it looks like um, Lost and Running will be the next horse into the field. I understand that our negotiations are at an advanced stage with a slot holder. John O'Shea, the trainer of Lost and Running, and Carl Holt, who owns the Sprinter, 
confirmed that when I spoke to him on the weekend. And it's not su- it's no surprise, is it, boys? Because Lost and Running ran such a good fourth last year in the Everest, and then went on to win the the Hunter. Um, was brilliant first up in the Southern Cross, and then failed in the New Market in the autumn. But um, he's still lightly raced. Um, is a lot of upside with Lost and Running, and the plan at this stage more than likely is. Uh, uh, in the words of Carl Holt, to back-end his program. And by that he meant look towards bringing the horse back racing later in the spring, probably even the premier first up and then second up into the Everest, hoping that the tracks dry out um, a bit more by that time. And surely they will. Surely this rain will stop eventually. And, and then there are a number of, op- of options open to Lost and running after the Everest. But he will definitely run in the race that's called the Winner's Stakes, which will, is renamed this year the Nature Strip Stakes after the, the reigning Everest winner. So he'll be the, the fifth horse into the Everest after Nature Strip, Marzu, Eduardo and Mars Crusader. It seems, Mitch, we've got sort of, you know, the the names that we thought were going to be there. Do you think we'll see anything sort of jump up out of the ground in terms of uh, youngsters coming through? Or do you think we're going to see anything left of field selected possibly in a Tab Everest this year? Uh, Not just yet. Not just yet. I think um, it's probably no surprise that we'll see five or six spots filled up with those experienced campaigners. Uh, Lost and running, yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't off the board already, given what he did. Last spring, um, obviously, yeah, finishing fourth in that Everest and then going on and, and, and winning the Hunter a few starts later. I'd imagine he'd still go to a Hunter again this year if he's still going well because he looked at that race at his mercy again if it's a dry track up there at Newcastle and uh, a million-dollar race, why not? Um, so, look, the, the six or the five that are off the board at the moment, um, no real surprise given what they've done. And you wouldn't imagine um, some of these three-year-olds will come into contention after we run a race like the Golden Rose or um, or, or those or, or a run to the Rose um, until that stage. I know Gary Portelli was only planning a, uh, a smaller spring campaign for Fireburn, so um, I'd, it's probably unlikely that you'd see her in an Everest unless uh, unless something changes. Um, maybe a horse like Best of Bordeaux is, uh, will head that way, um, given given her uh, his connections. Mm. Maxi, obviously you were you were lucky enough to see Marzu uh, really put his hand up. We sort of had an inkling leading up to, of course, the uh, the, the the winter campaign of Marzu when he had those good performances here in Sydney with the Arrowfield, etc. That that he would be you know picked up the new kid on the block. What did you make of his Doombin ten thousand run? And is there a horse maybe in Queensland that can them put their hands up or nothing this year? You think? I, I don't think so. Yeah, Mazu was very good, and he was picked up nice and early, wasn't he, for the Everest? So uh, the Snowdens sort of uh, knew um, the plan to path, you know, to plot towards that, and they they pulled stumps after he won the Doombin Ten Thousand. He won it well, beating poor lady. But I think we all agree um, that we haven't seen the best of him as yet. But he's got to pick it up a little bit when we're talking in terms of. Horses like Nature Strip and Eduardo, um, I mean, is there a changing of the guard as yet? I don't think so, what we've seen recently with those sprinters. But, guys, they are getting a little bit older, aren't they? I think Nature Strip's rising eight and, and Eduardo's rising nine. So uh, we are on the cut, cusp, aren't we, of uh, some of these new horses coming through. Mm. Uh, Mitchy, we've been waiting for that changing the guard for a couple of seasons, <laughs> yeah. now, haven't we? And the Nature Strip's and Eduardo's just keep turning up and who's to say classic legend doesn't come back he's still 
who might be a race classic legend, isn't he? And, of course, he has to find fitness and form, but he's owned by Bonho, who owns a spot in the Everest. So, Mitch, you'd almost put him in as the sixth horse into the race, and then we go down to that second tier of sprinters, the emerging horses, um, uh, the likes of Paul Lilly um, in the Congo. Uh, don't forget Godolphin have a couple of uh, European sprinters in Creative Force and Naval Crown that they've potentially flagged as possible Everest runners. So that's that second fringe. And then, as you mentioned, Mitchy, we just don't know which of these uh, three-year-olds will put their hand up, so to speak, come spring. Yeah, I think the big question mark contender's got to be Classic Legend. How is he going to come back? We obviously mm. haven't seen him since last year's Everest. Um, Les is obviously biding his time to get to this race and give him another crack at it. Um, but we, we just don't know how he's going to come back until we see him. Uh, you wouldn't put a line in him, that's for sure. His best is up there with the best sprinters in the world. We know that. Um, so, yep. yeah, I think he's got to be the big question mark for us of, of how's he going to come back and, and how good can he be again. Ray, I'm just t- thinking completely off the top of my head here, and it might not work looking at the calendar, but uh, just going back and watching that Doombin 10,000, I mean, the run for mine was on Trevier. Now, I know she'll be a six-year-old mare. Probably 1,400 is more her go, but, geez, if yeah. it's a wet track, 1,200, high-pressure race, what she did that day in the Doombin 10,000, and then, obviously, you've got the invitation as well. Does that... would Could a slot holder pick her up... Um, and then, obviously, she'd be here for an invitation anyway. I mean, is... Yeah, possibly. What, what a... I, yeah, just in the back of my mind, though, is the words of her previous trainer, Jane Richards, who's now obviously gone to Hong Kong. But I remember last spring, and, and Mitchie will probably recall this as well, there was a lot of noise around Entrevier potentially going to the Everest then. And I remember Jane Richards saying 1,200 metres ran wick against the likes of Nature Strip. That's probably not her go. 1,400 metres and a mile or more her go. So, yeah... Probably a question mark, Dave, but again, um, a slot holder. There's no rule book when it comes to the Everest, is there? No. A slot holder takes, takes their chance when they make those selections. Very much so. We've got uh, Mark, our first caller on the line. G'day, Mark. Yeah, g'day, Dave. Uh, morning, boys. Morning, mate. Uh, there's, morning, not morning. Many, there's not many tipsters I'll listen to. I do my own form. But there's three I'll listen to. I'll listen to Duff. I'll listen to um, Dean Lester in Melbourne. And I'll listen to Maxie in Brisbane. And on Saturday, I heard... Oh, Thursday night on the uh, playbook, Maxie was pushing hard for this horse. He didn't have it on top, but he was pushing hard for it at $51. Then I heard him on Saturday morning giving me his tips. Again, he's mentioned this horse. He said, this is crazy, guys, $51. Before the race, at, uh, doing the uh, mounting yard, he's pushed for it again. And up at Scott, $51. I think it started $21. Well done, Maxie. You're a legend. Which horse was that, Maxie? Punt, uh, Puncture in the last... Yeah, Pantura. Yeah, look, um, I, I could have put it in, in on top. I just felt that more than number one, I kept going back to his last start and thinking, well, I know Pantura, I'd, I'd be very disappointed if this doesn't run top three at the price, but gee, if more than one, number one reproduces his last start, this track and distance, then he's probably going to win. But he didn't quite handle the heavy, whereas this Kiwi has been with Barry Baldwin for a year now, was specifically set for that race and... Yeah, basically, I just wanted I just wanted everybody to know that he, he was possibly the quaddy killer um, and he managed to win. But, but thank you for that, rap. They only come, uh, come along every pancake Sunday, but thankfully <laughs> uh, we got something out of it, guys. Fantastic. There you go, Mark. Did you have a winner this weekend, mate? Or oh, is he gone? He might have gone. He might yeah, be off the... I'm did, here. You, did, you, did you back a winner this weekend, mate? Oh, I back that. That saved me. 
fantastic. Yeah, he didn't have it on top. It's hard to put a horse at fifty-one dollars on top. But he, he, you can tell he wanted to. He kept pu- pushing for it every time he spoke. Well done, Max. You're a champion, mate. Well, there you go. Someone is it nice to know someone's listening, Maxie? Yes, uh, for all of the, the you know the negative publicity that's out there with punting, um, good to good to hear that somebody at least um, heeded some advice. Read between the lines, fantastic stuff. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, and there's a couple of texts on the text line here. I mentioned before about highlights of the season. We've obviously had all our. Uh, group one races for uh, this calendar season, and we'll all click over again on the on the horse's birthday, um, August first. What was your highlight, uh, group one wise, uh, this particular season, Ray? Uh, probably a couple. Is that okay, Dave? Yeah, no, that's fine. Oh, I couldn't narrow it down to one, so okay. go ahead. Well, you know, fortunately, I was in England to see Nature Strip win the King Stand, and that'll be a, a memory that'll last me for a long time, and. It was a proud moment of being Australian, but also just to see the complete uh, demolition job he did on some of England's best sprinters. And the English journalists in the press room were absolutely in awe of Nature Strip, and it was a tremendous performance by him. But also the the Shelby 66 story and what he managed to achieve, Danny Williams, with that sprinter through the autumn and indeed winning the Group 1, the Galaxy. Um, I guess Shelby 66 is... Um, an indication that racing's a great leveller and everyone has a chance in this sport, don't they? They most certainly do. Maxie, what about some of your highlights for the uh, the season? Well, I'd have to say Nature Strip and the King Stand Stakes, but I think he stands out for, for most people. That demolition job, you know, an older sprinter. We keep telling everybody in the world that we have the best sprinters here in Australia down under. Mm. And we prove it time and time again. So it was a wonderful performance by him. But, guys, a little bit of a, uh, a Queensland flavour. Uh, back in the spring and towards the end of the winter last year, we saw an emerging star in Incentivise, um, now five-year-old by Shamus Award in the care of Peter Moody, of course. But his last win was a year ago up here. His last win up here in the Tats Cup when he won by 12. And then he went to, to Peter Moody, won the Maccabi Diva, he won the Turnbull, and the Caulfield Cup performance was what did it for me. I think that was just about the performance for me of the the, the current racing season. He drew gate number 18, and he won in a hand canter, a little uh, might and power-esque, and then he came out to, to run second in the Flemington, and he he didn't pull up that well after the Melbourne Cup. So I thought his performances in the, in the spring were just uh, unbelievable. Mitch, what about yourself? Um, I'm leaning towards, uh, well, a bit of a soft spot for me, having uh, started my career down in Wollongong uh, a little less than a decade ago. So I've got a little soft spot for the Kembla trainer. So seeing Kerry Parker win the Queen Elizabeth Stakes uh, with Think It Over, um, a horse that, um, well, geez, he, for 18 months or more, he, he never got the raps he deserved, this horse. Um, he was always underrated and... Even on his grand final day, on his biggest grand final day, he was 40 to 1, albeit on not his favoured wet track. And, um, yeah, he was able to win a stirring duel with Zaki, wasn't he? It was a, a thrilling edition of the race. There was, uh, I mean, before the race, we were calling it one of the best Queen Elizabeth stakes um, ever. So um, for, a, for a trainer from Kemble Grange, a provincial trainer, to win that race, um, he's a great horseman, Kerry Parker, and a, and a great bloke um, as well. Uh, to see him win that race, a, a $4 million race, um, with the field it was, um, that was a really special moment in uh, in the carnival, especially as we had the crowds back as well. 
Um, the crowds were starting to come back into the races at that stage after after a few years of COVID where we didn't really have much of an atmosphere on, on those big days. And the yeah. ride, Mitchie. The ride of Nash. Yeah. Of, of course, the ride of mm. Nash. Unfortunately, mm. I dropped off, Ray. That was, uh, that was my <laughs> fear. I, I, I did move in basically every other start. And uh, look, I'm a fair weather fan, obviously. I, uh, on his grand final day on the heavy track, I got a bit deterred and didn't have a bet. So uh, I hope uh, I hope plenty of others did anyway. Isn't it funny? Uh, you, you need to burn your cash sometimes to to really get that respect. And for mine, one was Hitotsu, Um winning that obviously Victorian Derby, then winning the Guineas, and I, I took him on in the Australian Derby. I thought Benno was the bet, and I thought I had him toast uh, there coming to the top of the rise at Ramwick, but just an extraordinary obviously he's um we won't see him for a little while obviously with him uh being injured and hopefully we do see him back at the racetrack but yeah Hitotsu it, it's incredible isn't it because we have so much racing Maxi you start to sort of reminisce a little bit and it, it it feels like it was years ago but it was only a couple of months that we had all the like you just mentioned incentivize that feels like an eternity ago <laughs> that's right and I sort of half forgot about Hitotsu yeah that was just extraordinary and Unfortunately, um, we may not see him again, but um, mm. gosh, he could have been absolutely mm. anything. And, and guys, in terms of the future, I'm looking forward to um, this two-year-old filly. You know, they're about to turn three for Simon Miller called Amelia's Jewel. I heard Simon on the radio a week ago. I think he said she's almost ready to come back into his stables, but he's kind of a um, humble sort of fellow, but... He was just exuding confidence, you know, through the telephone, through the interview that day. Um, you know, she could be something very, very special. Um, she'd been drawing wide, so they, they, they rode it quietly. And she's just such an exciting horse that can really run phenomenal sectional times. I know there's a bit of banter going around as to who is the best two-year-old in the country now, Fireburner, is it this Amelia's jewel from Western Australia. But um, hopefully we'll see them come together at some point. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, boys? That it's, she's in the Everest market at $26. Three starts, three wins. The Jim Crack and the Karakata are two main wins. But Mitchie, her acceleration is the key, as Maxie pointed out. She can reel off these brilliant sectionals. and But can she translate that Perth form to the eastern seaboard? Yeah, and I think we might have to be patient because I think the plan is to stay over there in the west um, at least at least for this year. So we may have to wait till, um, till the autumn uh, of 2023 to see her over here taking on uh, the East Coast Gallopers. Mm. They've obviously had an increase over there, haven't they, um, Ray, of their, their carnival and a yep. couple of renamed races now? Yeah, and for a filly like her, she could pick a mark, couldn't she, in, the, mm. in their late spring, early summer carnival. A lot of big money races over there that she should be able to win and or be very competitive. And Mitchie's point's well made. She's only had three starts, so to bring her across for the spring, maybe she's not quite seasoned enough, but having that late spring, early summer Perth campaign would uh, would set her up nicely for a Melbourne or Sydney campaign in the autumn next year. Got a text on the text line. Um, think it over, winning the Queen Elizabeth. My uh, favourite moment, that's Ben from Parks. Good to have you listening this morning, Ben. Uh, we had a, another text here from Steve. Hey, guys, uh, loved the win of Cascadian in the All-Age Stakes. What a win that was. Yep, Cascadian in the All-Age Stakes. Then there's another text here. So you start to remember some things here. Um, g'day, guys. Love the win of Home Affairs. 
in that Black Caviar Lightning, defeating Nature Strip that day. What a ride by J-Mac and Waller. And, of course, then we saw um, Nature Strip go over and um, Eduardo uh, as well in the mix there. And we've got Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, guys. You wouldn't believe it. I had my top three before I heard you guys give yours. Uh, number three on my list was incentivised in the Caulfield Cup, which is remarkable. Number two, Shelby 66. I mean, this was a horse that was... It got beaten at Maria, couldn't win a highway, and all of a sudden, bang, runs um, you know, runs past Nature Strip, wins the Galaxy, just the, uh, the a great battler story. And number one, this horse, think it over. Um, I just cannot believe what he's done. What I love about him, I'm not from Wollongong, um, but I love a battler story, but he's such a good horse. I mean, to do what he did to that field, apart from Zaki. Zaki, he beat the rest of them by five lengths mm. on an unsuitable track. I know it was a great ride, but Jesus is a horse. And, the, you know, cocky plate, 12 to 1, I'm on. I'm well, in. I was just going to say, sorry to cut you off, Chris, but I'll just bring Ray in here. The one thing that I think nearly needs to be pointed out with Think It Over, and for that fact, other Kembla horses that were winning those big races because they wanted a little run there. Luke Price and obviously uh, Robert, they were getting winners. We saw Art Cadeau as well perform. The amount of moisture that um, the South Coast copped, mm. they were pretty much just using the poly track down there. That, that saved them. Um, yeah. And Kerry said it was very difficult to train horses like they would usually train them. So I think to, to, to knock off the, the big guns from his stable with that horse and the, the prep that he had, I think he deserves even more kudos, doesn't he? Yeah, really good point made, Dave, for all those Kembla-based trainers, indeed the trainers on the South Coast. It's a bit of a rain belt there, isn't it, boys? And they've been swamped again the last couple of days down Kembla towards now. And, uh, you're right, um, Kerry Parker made that point a number of times in the build-up to the, to the Queen Elizabeth Stakes that it was difficult to train the horse for it. So he is an outstanding racehorse, think it over. And, and Mitch made the point that he probably didn't get the kudos he deserved at times, but... He certainly earned everybody's respect now because he won that race on a track which wasn't suitable for him. Um, he was ridden in a manner which was, to use a word, extreme, and they got the job done. And he's just got a tremendous will to win. And who's to say he won't come back in spring, Mitchie, and dominate weight for age again? Well, yeah, he's only a, he's only a six-year-old, so 70-year-old next season, 70-year-old gelding. So you'd like to think he's probably got, uh, hopefully, uh, two seasons left in front of him um, of, of good racing. Obviously, yeah, Kerry kept him in kept him in Sydney the spring before to capitalise on that, that lucrative Rose Hill Cup bonus. So I suppose people might have assumed that because he wasn't taking on some of the big dogs, which were down in Melbourne going towards the Cox Plate, um, that he might not have been as as good as he actually is. But, jeez, uh, he sure showed that during the spring, mm. as you said, on, uh, sorry, during the autumn um, on multiple occasions, really. And, and as you said, Dave, it was quite the preparation. Of course, he did go down to Flemington for the Australian Cup in between to try and find a dry track, um, where he's um, a game runner-up in that race as well. So, um, yeah, just to, it just made more for the win. Um, and as you said, a, a terrific ride from Nash. One that will go down in the history books and it will be on uh, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of video replays for years to come. It certainly will. Thanks for your call, Chris. Appreciate your thoughts. Um, still some more text coming in here. One text, hey, guys. What about Art Cadeau? 
in last year's Cozzy, the way in which he won that race first up. Well, it's quite timely, isn't it? Uh, we've got those tickets going on sale as of the 1st of July, uh, the $5 tickets to, to win your slot, possibly, uh, for the Cozzy Oscar. And, of course, uh, we've got the Four Pillars race as well, which will be um, coming up this year as well for those provincial horses. But uh, I'm really interested to see how this race unfolds um, and, and who will will be picked up, I guess, Ray. We're going to be doing a bit of a tour in late August of regional New South Wales, which I'm looking forward to, uh, getting back out on the road. But I think it's a bit more wide open this year than, than we've, what we've seen in previous years. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think the innovations in country racing in recent years with um, these new races like the Cosi Oscar, the Country Championship Series and other races, it's raised the bar, hasn't it, boys? And we've got real quality coming out of the out of um, country regions now, horses like Front Page and another one, Art Cadeau, etc. So it's going to be a, a terrific Cosy Osco again. And when you sent a text yesterday, Dave, just asking us for our um, uh, our best sort of uh, memories of this season, I was sort of thinking about races and race days as well. And I know Mitch was there, but when Art Cadeau won the Cosy Osco and when Nature Strip won the Everest, the atmosphere at Randwick that day... Mitch, I can't recall a more Sweet Caroline. atmosphere. Yeah, it was incredible. But just just the atmosphere, and you made mention of it earlier, finally had people back on track, and it wasn't a huge mm. crowd, but the noise that that crowd mm. made that day, and it, it was an electric atmosphere on Everest Day for both the Kosciuszko and also the Everest. It's one of the great races for that reason, isn't it? Um, it really captures... I guess a lot of the country and, and a lot of race fans, there's just so many unique and great stories, whether it be trainers, uh, jockeys that are getting their chance in town on a big day and, and ownership groups that are coming from all parts of the state and, and interstate and things like that. Um, it's, it's really um, a race that uh, it's one of the real success stories of, of yeah. the Sydney Spring Carnival now, for sure. Obviously, that and the Everest on the same day. Um, it, it is a great um Great on the undercard of that Everest day and, and a real success this year, as you said. Um, yeah, uh, I could honestly at this point, how, how could you pick a, a, a legitimate favourite? <laughs> I think that you could you could put a you could uh, put a few on top, and, and I wouldn't make an argument for it. And it's great at this time of year as well. You have your highway races, and 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 Ray and I will speak to and, and others will speak to trainers after every race, and everyone's still dreaming of their Kosciuszko horse. If if they win one of those highway races, they think maybe if I win another one or or another two, um, I'll I'll be able to get my hand in in the ring for that. Yeah, Maxie, I know obviously you're in Queensland, you can't be involved with the Kosciuszko, but one thing I love about racing at the moment is uh, how competitive it is between all the states, and we saw Queensland jump on board, and I'm so happy they did uh, with battle the Battle of the Bush. It's obviously different too the Kosciuszko with not having slot holders but we're showcasing racing across Queensland which is so vast and large and well um, my good mates Olivia Cairns and Justin Stanley no relation but uh, my family had horses uh, with Olivia and that Justin rode and they got their Battle of the Bush what only a couple of weeks ago their second one yeah that was uh, yeah Mason, Mason's chance won it for them four years ago and then a Moody That's right. Bay, a former southerner won it for that back team again in Mackay and um, yeah, it is a great concept on such a big day too. It was Group One Tattersall's Tiara Day, but it's much smaller scale uh, than the likes of the Kosciuszko. But we've also pinched the Everest idea with the uh, the Archer, um, which uh, was was run around about uh, six weeks ago, and then since then the announcement of the this Toowoomba. potential new race called um, 
called The King of the Mountain, mm. um, that, that they're looking at maybe having it on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day run along uh, similar lines to the Everest with, uh, with slot holders. So it's certainly taking off. I don't mind it, you know, gents. I don't mind it. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, you know some jurisdictions get their nose out of joint when when races are announced and and whatnot. And I know we've had uh, discussions about this before on air about oh, we've well, got to have you know um, the best, the best in certain places. But I think it just gives really the for me as being an owner and being a a punter uh, more opportunity to to bet on on good races um, and and good quality races all across the board. Um, I don't know if you guys all agree, but I, th- I think it's great that uh, we start, you know, continue to think outside of the square and and have these sort of events on, and that will time beautifully that King of the Mountain at Toowoomba because then you'll have horses going that way that possibly might end up in Magic Millions races. Um, I think it'll be great, Ray. Uh, look, boys, I, I know we have this debate a lot of times and interstate rivalries, etc. Competition's a good thing, but if I can can defer to my experiences in England and I'm sure that would apply to other international racing jurisdictions. They look upon Australian racing with envy, boys, because our prize money is coming through the roof, as we know. The returns to owners and potential investment in the sport goes up with the increase in prize money. And the most important thing, I'm sure Max and Mitch would agree, races like the Everest the Archer, all these new races that are coming into play, they're coming into play because the prize money increases are sustainable. In England, they, they just cannot get their head around the prize money levels in Australian racing. And um, Indeed, you don't take a horse to Royal Ascot to chase the prize money. You're chasing the prestige. But the English journalists that I, I spoke to on many occasions, literally, Mitch and, and Maxie, just cannot get their heads around the robust nature of Australian racing at present. And I think variety yeah. is the spice of life, isn't it? All right. Mm. Uh, I mean, if, if, if it's nice to have these change up in races. Obviously, we don't want to have too much of a good thing. You can look at the big bash and, and see too much of a good thing doesn't always work out. Um, so we've got to be careful with the balancing act of, of how we bring in these races and, and where they're positioned on the calendar. But they certainly have a place on the calendar, don't they? Yep. Even races like the invitation, it's just something a little bit different. Um, we, we've got to be able to engage in different ways as a sport, and this is certainly an, an easy way to do it, really, uh, attracting uh, a different sort of concepts and, and things to get interest into the sport uh, should never be a bad thing and should never be frowned upon. No. And, guys, um, talking to David, David Hayes from Hong Kong during the week, um, he was saying just how hard it is for Hong Kong owners to purchase horses from New South Wales and Victoria. Um, they've been doing it for so long and, and taking some of our, our top quality horses from the eastern states. But he's saying with the prize money on offer now, you know, the Hong Kong owners have got to pay uh, an amazing amount of money to, to get what they want. So it's more likely that the Hong Kong owners are going to be looking elsewhere um, to try and purchase horses because, uh, you know, owners just want to race them in Australia now. It's just such a different scenario to five or ten years ago. Um, prize money levels have just gone, you know, way through the roof, haven't they? They certainly have. Now, we need some horses to follow from the guys today, and we'll get them up on the social medias uh, as well, so what punters can put them in their black book. Ray, what do you like for the meeting? Yeah, uh, I like... Well, the weekend, uh, I should say. Yeah, I think John O'Shea's got a nice horse here in Pizarro. The heavy track was against him on Saturday, but he, he raced really well to finish second behind Reba Del Sol's. Had four starts for a win in three seconds. He's a horse going places, and I think he'll win a race or two over winter.
All right. Uh, what about yourself, Mitch? Geez, Ray and I found the same horse, which is dangerous. So I, <laughs> I thought You've got to carry up, Yeah, I, I thought he was all the same reason. But one horse, if I was to, I'll, I'll bag. I thought Deep, Deep Romance was really good, obviously. Mm. Uh, a horse coming back from cardiac arrhythmia last start. And she's had a few niggling issues, but uh, she showed what she does, um, what she can do when she puts it all together on race day on Saturday. She was a, she was a few lengths off the back at, at one stage and, and a bit hard ridden. But once she got going, she really powered through the line. Um, if she can maintain that form, she'll be winning a lot of races for Matt Dunn, that's for sure. And Maxie, what are we following out of the Sunshine Coast meeting, if anything? Yeah, well, I think we've got to be a bit careful with the form because of the very heavy nature of the track, Dave. But um, in race five, the horse that ran second, Billionaire Baby, ridden by Leah Kellner. I know Leah has a very high opinion of this two-year-old. He's only had the two starts. She's been on him both times. And uh, he, he drew poorly at his first start, but rattled home against the pattern, and then again on Saturday, stepping up against uh, horses that had won races, and he bumped into one who's a real duck called Northern Express, but he was the second-best performer clearly there, Billionaire Baby, trained by Rob Heathcote. He's a two-year-old by winning Rupert. He'll be winning very soon. All right. Um, fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on this morning in relation to Punters Postmortem, the winter edition. Uh, have a great uh, week ahead. And uh, to reiterate how we started the program, all our thoughts are with Leah Kilner and her family. And let's hope uh, she keeps fighting through. Well said, Dave.